This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What? <laughs> what? Let's go, Marie. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God, you guys. It's going well. Another year. Another year. Another people. year. Another, Another year. 360-some-odd days, man. Can't believe we did it. Give or take. Cannot <laughs> believe we're all still. It's it's some good stuff. Some really good stuff. We did it, America. We made it. <laughs> Woo! So, uh, listeners of the Mad Scientist Podcast, this episode is going to be our review of the year and all the weird news that came out. Year and recap episode. Clip show. Sorry for the clip show. Yeah, it is a total clip it's not show. really a clip show. We're going to we're not going to we're not going to play old clips. We're not that lame yet, are we? No, we're, no, but it is like phoning it in. It is phoning it in hard. Jake, <laughs> if you have clips, you want to just like insert randomly. That would be hilarious. OK, and we're going to go to the episode. <laughs> Marie, how, sure. how how has your year been, Marie? Uh, I you know like I think I think my year has actually been pretty good. Launch launch my own podcast, whatever yep. remains. Got seven whole episodes of whatever remains out the door, which was Herculean. It felt like on um on the Cuban quote unquote sonic attacks. Mm-hmm. Check them out if you haven't already. Um. And are gearing up for season two, uh, which is going to be a bunch of different fun stuff, including the Circleville Letters and some fun stuff we're doing on um, Denver International Airport. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. That's like yeah, super fun. So I think that that's been like, I've really enjoyed that more than a lot of, you know, more than a lot of other work and work things. You know, I think that's been a lot of fun. Learned a lot of new stuff. Met a lot of different people. You know, it's it's been pretty good. And yourself, sir, how has eighteen treated Doctor Coxwell? Yeah, it's been it's been okay. You know, it's been a good year. I had a, well, it was it was a weird year for me because, like, you know, yes. I mean, we had the I got like my dream job or my dream yes. position, I guess, in the beginning of the year. Oh, and then yes, yes, and then yes. Mufon was like, hopes. and then Mufon was like, "LOL, guess what." <laughs> LOL psych. Yeah. BRB. And then it's just been like a weird, I feel like 2018 was a weird year. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a lot of, uh, a lot of ups and downs, right? Mm-hmm. For me personally, but mm-hmm. the podcast is going great, which is awesome. It's because we kick ass people. It's because the <gasps> listeners, butt, it's because the listeners yes. kick butt. It's because the, do you know, kick butt. They all do. The, they all do. the listeners out there supporting us so hard. Like it's, that's been really great. You know, and I mean, God love you, people. Seriously, God love you, people. Can't believe- keep you safe, man, because there's only so many of you, and we cannot afford to lose a single one. <laughs> no, no, we we really need you guys to stay, uh, stay Please. listening and stay alive. Frankly, because Ooh, yes. <laughs> stay uh, close to the fold. Yeah, you know. It, so this year had a lot of weird news, though. I mean, the Cuban so the yeah. Cuban Missile Crisis was one, or not the Cuban Missile Crisis. Good God. Good Lord, that My was brain. strange, though. The Cuban, the Cuban sonic attack kind of crisis. Sonic attack kept right? coming up. That it's kept in coming. China. It's you know, it's what's going on, what's causing it. I mean, I feel like you know, politics aside, it's just been a tumultuous year of, um, of having to, of having to come into kind of different kind of conflicts and having different kind of, um communications with people that have been a little bit more like more fraught than normal. You know, it's like, I feel like, but in some ways it's good because, you know, I we're, we're pushing our safety limits and our boundaries and kind of trying to figure out different ways to, to communicate and to, to see eye to eye on certain things, even nothing to do with politics, 
just in general, I feel like that that's that's been the case. It's been a huge year of like of me trying to me trying to uh, just communicate better and be more level headed, just kind of in a work sense as well, which is not my normal my normal go to, if mm. you will. Here he is. Yeah. So just, you know, things like that. But all in all, I mean, I feel like, hey, you know what? We, we're coming out of it healthy. Everyone's still kind of intact. We still have a sense of humor about a large majority of, of things. So I can't, I cannot, personally cannot complain. But I feel like for you, like the year has been, you're right. Like the year has been like Chris Cogswell is out there in the, out there in the world kind of thing. You know, he's got a name for himself out there and that's been like you're you've been putting your opinions out there much much more than much more than I have. Well, we sh- well, you know, the thing is that you're so all, well <laughs> and this well then this is kind of I guess the point or one of the points of this episode I think is yeah. like I think we're at a point in time where it's becoming really hard to take the point like the ethical point of view in science that mm-hmm. you can just sit on the sidelines and like you can put science out there and do science and care about science and care about these things. Right. But not become involved or not try to fight pseudoscience or not try to dispel yeah. incorrect you know, in your inaccuracies. Lane. You're supposed to yeah. quote unquote stay in your lane with stuff. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. Like, so, you know, there was a time where, I mean, and not that long ago, right. I'd say, mm-hmm. I don't know, like two years ago, where I think the general consensus in science was, and the general consensus generally in like academia was you published papers on the stuff that you worked on. You maybe had squabbles internally and, you know, you, it was literally like the ivory tower idea, right? That you sat Mm -hmm. up there, you had these ideas and notions and you just put out opinions and like your opinions were within your own field. And so they never really got to the public. They never really got to like policymakers. They never got to mm-hmm. uh, politicians. Like scientific consensus kind of stayed in its area, like you said, like in its own lane. Yeah. And even, even with like really big scandals, like even with not even scandals necessarily, even with really big things that like, had an effect on the real world. Right. I think one of the best examples of that is economics, like economic, Mm -hmm. uh, economic kind of science or the science that we call economics, you know, the social science, whatever, that that's a whole other debate um, is economics a science, but like economics has, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. has pretty much moved away or moved on from kind of like the, the trickle down model, right? Like, I don't think there's any, there is no, real academic uh, economist out there who believes that, that. yeah, who believes that that's a good thing, except there's like two of them. Um, And they, you know, there's two of them and they both get paid huge money to come out in favor of like big corporations and stuff and tax cuts and whatever. And so it's like, it's, it's economics. I think is one of the weirdest versions of this where like the, the entire field has moved away from a way of thinking but the public hasn't caught up to that at all yet. And well, it, yeah. And it's like, I think really quick to interrupt. I think the thing that kind of boggles my mind about that is it's like, you used to have these conventional norms that were sort of, that were held that you thought was relatively universal within any kind of, probably within any kind of science and even within economics, right? Like you could have a lot of different people view economics differently, but the vast, like you were saying, the vast majority of, people in serious positions of economic, you know, in charge of economic stimulus and in charge of like banks and huge, you know, kind of the mechanisms for regulating currency and how we spend money and all this stuff believed in a certain thing and not in something else. Right. And now it was sort of like a conventional norm, like the sky is blue conventional norm. And then all of a sudden, you're, you're having to argue about if the sky is blue or not. And you're kind of like, wait a minute, didn't we all, weren't we all okay with this? Wasn't the sky blue and trickle down economics was definitely not something that was going to work for people. And suddenly you're, you're, I don't know. I've almost felt like that that has been the place that has been the hardest to come from this 
position of almost being at a loss because you're like, hold up. You're almost stunned is how I feel like. I'm, I'm, I'm still getting over being stunned that these norms have sort of just been shot. Down. No, absolutely. And I think – and I don't think that it's – economics I think is a good example of that. Yes. But it's not the only example and oh, it God, seems no. to be yeah. – it seems to be an increasing, uh, an increasing problem, right? I mean, again, like 20 years ago, the consensus was that vaccines, vaccinations oh were a phenomenally beneficial thing to the world, right? I mean, we, oh God, yes. uh, we eradicated polio. We eradicated oh smallpox, essentially, from the Western oh my God. world, you oh know? Oh, my God. My blood pressure just, just, just. Oh. Was like, wah, 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 wah. I feel like I feel like the bride and kill Bill, you know. I right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. The, the flash of uh, the flash of steel across the eyes. And then, yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, you know, and it's it's really interesting to me that, again, we are like we're going back and re questioning these things. And it makes, you know, it's hard to pinpoint what the cause of that is. You know, in, in, in economics, you can kind of make the argument that. Arguing against, say, something like uh, very heavily like supply side economics or arguing against something like, you know, the market will write itself naturally or, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, the, you know, giving money, you know, making money more freely available to the richest, you know, whatever point per point one percent of a percent of a percent or whatever will, you know, will basically benefit everyone below them because whatever, right? Right. Like yeah. those ideas, you can kind of see why economics might be motivated internally to not point out the hypocrisy or the problems of that. Do you know what I mean? Cause like it's, I think it's very similar to say like science, right? Where one of the big things that I think is becoming increasingly important in science today is the idea of like institutional problems, like say sexism, which we did cover, right? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. also other things like fraud, like the influence of of, of money and corporations and whatever, the, the influence, frankly, of mm -hmm. lobbying in science. And so, so you know, the, the, the monolith of say like, you know, the American Chemical Society, the American Physical Society, um, you know, the American Medical Associations, whatever, these big groups, I think, have been very, um, they have been, for the most part, pretty okay about coming out and saying, we need to stop things like this. Like, this is a danger to, mm -hmm. to kind of free science as we understand it. But the people that are actually in the process of making money off of those kinds of things, like universities, like some of these kind of larger think tanks or institutions or whatever, have been very reluctant, I think, to actually make the changes so it's I can see how that could develop in a, in a field where, you know, the findings of your field essentially are, oh, my God, like we're bad for we're bad for humans. You we're know what I mean? Problem. Well, seriously, like, you know, I've seen the enemy and it is us. <laughs> right. And so yeah. I, I think we can I think I can you know, you can see naturally as like a, a human why that would be hard for a field that you've dedicated your life to to kind of swallow and change around. But. I would argue just the simple fact that you have that reflexive ability to make that distinction sets you aside from from the actual problem itself. Oh, right? abso absolutely. Absolutely. Like they, I think, of course, like there's like one thing like you should always, no matter what part in your life, you should always litmus test, you know, your commonly held beliefs to make sure, hey, I, I think this way about this. Does it make sense? Like, why do I think this way about this? You know, even, you know, again, like supply side economics, whatever, like the things that kind of will blind you to the ideas that are counter to it. You know, you you have to be able to engage on some level. But I think just the ability to be able to to make that distinction kind of isn't saves you from that problem because you're like, oh, I need to think about this. I might be wrong. The fact that you admit that you could be fallible in your thought process is what is different from. The thought process is dogma, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, but that's the thing, though, is that in even in these places where we might expect – that's, the that's I think, the thing that's been the most surprising, though, that we're trying to you – know, is that some of those dogmas mm -hmm. are what are being torn down, but they're like we – don't, we don't necessarily call them dogmas when they're good, 
right? We call, you know, we call them oh, norms yeah. or we call them standards norms, when they're good right, for us or, right. or we think they're good for us. So the va- you know, the vaccination one is one that kind of turns this whole thing on its head. I don't think there's any medical professionals, any serious medical professionals that would say that, you know, vaccines are bad for people or that you shouldn't get vaccinated. But that idea has somehow seeped its way into the public. And so it's kind of, it's an interesting dichotomy where it's like this, it's a mistrust of, it's a mistrust of experts, of expert opinions, Mm -hmm. right? Which like, that's always been kind of a part of, uh, you know, I mean, that's partly why, uh, you know, Aristotle was writing about how concerned he was about democracies, right? That right. the mob doesn't necessarily listen to the experts. Um, they just kind the of listen. pretty much all, is always the mob. Right. <laughs> so it, it kind of makes me wonder, though, you know, I mean, like, say things like Facebook or Twitter or, you know, whatever. Yes. These, these bigger kind of mass forms of communication. Yes. Are they really good for us? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are they good for us? I, I think that's one of the, like. One of the things that's hit me this year with the podcast, especially, is like being on Mm. Facebook and Twitter all the time is intensely depressing. (laughs) Like it sucks so bad. Now, why does it suck? Talk talk to me a little bit why it sucks, because I I myself know that like if I it helps me immensely to start following Twitters of cute baby bunnies, which I do have like an entire like. Like I, I have an entire thing that I follow, but there's just cute pictures of bunnies because it's like, man, that's that's the kind of stuff I need. That's the kind of sweet, sweet drug I need in my <laughs> bloodstream just to face the day. And they're the, so cute. The soma Marie needs. But so like what what has it been about Facebook and Twitter? If you do not mind me asking us and us sharing that, like what's been the sort of the big epiphany of, oh, my God, this is toxic. No, no problem. I mean, so I think. I think a big part of it is actually engaging more with the, mm-hmm. say, like UFO community, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And tr- like trying to. Now I've like now I've met some of these people in like person. Right. And they're they're very nice and they're cool and, and everything else. Right. Uh-huh. But like so some of these things. So right now I'm on the I'm on the Pleiadians Facebook page. Oh my right? God! Why so, are you on the Pleiadians? So we're, so we're gonna, and so we're going to be doing an episode on like the Pleiadians soon. Here, I got a bunch of books, right? But so, um, one I of these that. things. So, like, what pe- some of the stuff people post in here, like, there's, I think we've talked about it before. There's a woman on this page who says that she is a, she thinks she's a star seed, right? Uh huh. So she says I don't know she's, what that she's, is, she's, but okay, yeah. she thinks that she's an alien. Dig. Okay. And okay. And so she started posting these things on there. And then <laughs> people started other people have now started to post stuff on there too. Like videos of themselves being like, oh, you know, something bad's coming down. I'm I'm feeling it. I know the aliens are gonna talk to us soon. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like this mm-hmm. this lady here just posted, mm-hmm. I'm Pleiadian and Syrian. How is that possible? I thought it impossible to be mixed like that. <laughs> so so hold up let me um first of all i didn't think the pleiadian was a nationality right so i think you can be pleiadian in anything else right i mean well, that's if you want to strictly the- arguing just strictly arguing the unless unless you're saying that pleiadian is actually which i think is what you're getting at is the pleiadian is actually the the um your genetic your genetic makeup entirely is you are pleiadian Right. You can't be. Yeah. But it's like, well, so but I would argue without having the Web page open in front of me and seeing exactly what you're saying. But but that's almost like a cult like behavior. Right. Like to me, it's like if when you are able to. um, When you are able to move and and move sort of commonly be commonly held norms that radically within a group of people and have them replaced with a different belief that has absolutely zero, like zero anything in, you know, that's kind of a brainwash cult, uh, cult like calling. It is. I think it is a hundred percent. 
I think it is 100% like a cult-like kind of thing, right? Uh Uh-huh. But so though, so the thing that's kind of been, I think, the most challenging for me or the most depressing for me, at least on these, on social media, is Uh seeing how easily that kind of mentality spreads and then how impossible it is to counter, you know? So like, it's, it's like being in a sea of like, we, I, I mean, I don't know what Marie, I think you do this podcast. Cause I, I don't know why you do it. I, I can't imagine what would force you to do this podcast every week. For that sweet, sweet blue apron money. That's going to come <laughs> rolling in like, like, like spring rain. It's just going to well, come falling on us. So I, think, Woo! I, I think we both have the same Sorry, yeah. idea about what is good about doing a show like this, which is, yes. You know, we're trying to like actually teach people science, actually bring some semblance of like truth to this kind of stuff, but also it's jokes. but also it's it's entertaining, yes. right? Where you are making yes. entertainment for people. And right? fart jokes, yes. And, well, yeah, and that's the, that's where the entertainment comes in. Right? You can't have entertainment without fart jokes. Hell yeah. And uh-huh. But at the Keep same because I yeah, 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 yeah. I'm but with at, you, the, I'm with you. at the same time though, I like to think that a big part of this is also like literally trying to Literally trying to change people's, maybe not change people's minds, but at least give them more information out there so that they themselves can make these, uh, make these decisions in a intelligent way. And so I have always thought that, yeah, I have always thought that the thing that the thing that makes the difference between someone making the right choice and someone making a choice based on incorrect reasoning Mm -hmm. is a lack of information. So like mm-hmm. the reason, the reason that you don't you uh, see the reason you choose not to vaccinate your kids is because, you know, uh, you don't have all the information that vaccines don't actually are, are not harmful. You've been given wrong information. Mm-hmm. But and so before I was able to kind of I was able to. Kind of place a place that opinion aside and kind of separate it from. The reality of, you know, I know that eating chocolate cake is bad for me. I'm still going to eat chocolate cake. Right. right? Like I have a conscious decision. Right. But it's like I have all the information that chocolate cake is bad for me. But it's not. But but, you know, but I'm not like I'm not making that decision that is actually the logical one, which would be to not eat the cake. Right. Right. And it depends. Been, and, yeah. You're it, you're you're self-aware of the harm that you're doing to yourself by eating chocolate cake all day long. Right. And so, but you made a choice not to follow. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. Right. But that's the thing though. Right. So what, so in cases like this though, where it seems so very obvious that Mm -hmm. someone should make, like there is no harm, literally no harm Mm -hmm. in getting a vaccine. Right. Right. No more, no more harm in getting the vaccine than say, um, you know, not eating the cake versus eating the cake. But for some people, I think what it is is kind of that emotional, like there is still a reason for them to not choose the correct answer. The one that's safest, the one that's going to help their kids uh, and and help society, whatever, like that coming to that realization, I guess for myself that that really that kind of worldview that I had, that the thing that keeps people from making or believing in these silly things was a lack of information. The fact that that's probably not actually true, or at least that the reality of that not being true is going to, hit me in the face this year is mm, okay. um and i think i think it was yeah. a not i think it was a, it was a naive thought to have that initially mm-hmm. right that like oh people just you know whatever people will make the right decision nine times out of ten but it, it, I, I still like to think that right i don't think you're wrong and if i like one of the things if i can jump in here i don't i don't want to interrupt you because i think you're in you're like i i i want to make sure that I want to jump in here really quick. Um, I, <laughs> I, uh, I had the opportunity to talk to Dr. Joseph Uzinski, who is a, um, who's a professor uh, who writes on and studies uh, conspiracy theories, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, and it's all about his, his basis of study is political, uh, political conspiracy theories, pretty much. Um and one of my things that I was talking to him about was just sort of in general, like, look, man, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit wigged out. Like, I feel like we've gone from sort of a, this, you know, relatively safe time to some time that we kind of almost need a, 
like a, a you know a safe word for like conspiracies are really like I look at this and I I am really worried about it and there, and he what his point of view back to me was uh, he says well that's how it feels that's not how truly how it is and that's the difference like but the people that are on these websites like the Pleiades or the people that are are that are engaging in conspiratorial mindset to the degree that you're seeing them on the news are a very, very small set of people. Very small set. But I don't but, I don't think that's true. See, but that that's what he is saying. Like if we go out and we look at the data, and he's like, I have looked at the data, and the the truth is is that it has not it has not increased. Maybe we've seen more of it and maybe we have felt more of it. But the fact is that there are still people that the more you give education to, the more you give information to, we'll still make the right decision. And I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing a good bit of what he said. I might be also sugarcoating it a tiny bit because I was a little bit on the ledge that day because I was telling him I'm on the ledge with this stuff, man. Like it's, some of the stuff that's happening is a little like it does, it's scary. But, but at the same time, so then I come back to like, yeah, but I still feel this way. <laughs> you know, I, to your point, I still feel like I have conversations with people and even people like at work on um, like the most recent example I have, which is much milder than, you know, uh, anti-vax. I swear to God, if I had a conversation with somebody at work about anti-vax, I'd probably end up like in HR you know, <laughs> and losing and losing said job, but um, was more about uh, privacy, right? And how how um, you know how you can have your privacy kind of uh, confiscated by the United States government if they have just cause, and you know, an FCC and all this stuff that was going on. And I was really kind of like riled up about it, and my coworkers who. I have so much other stuff in common with and they're, you know, very smart people were just, they were sort of nonplussed by it. They were all like, well, it doesn't matter because I haven't done anything wrong. I don't have anything to hide. And I'm sort of like, well, that's not the point. The point is, is that this is, this is your right. You have, this is like something that as an American citizen, you know, you have a, uh, you know, a vested interest to, to safeguard. And I was like, nope, you know, they were like, no, I haven't done anything wrong. I don't see what the big deal is about that. And so you're kind of like, well, that just shakes me even more because I feel like how, how is it that people don't understand these things? But then I'm like, well, am I being the, the a-hole because I'm sort of assuming that they should and mad because they're not? Or, you know, how, you know, you get to that kind of balance, right? I get what you're saying. For, so then you're like, well, how much of a, you know, D-I-C-K am I going to be about this? <laughs> Right. Which is pretty, I have a pretty high, I'll go in pretty deep for stuff like that. So, yeah. Well, the thing, I think the thing for me is this, and again, I, I kind of have <laughs> self, I've kind of self, like, I've put myself in this position where I am interacting with these people on a daily basis because I find it interesting. Now, are they, are you interacting with the Pleiadians? Oh, every day they they channel to me, you know, tell me I'm a good, (laughs) you know, I'm a dolphin, right? No. All right, first of all, Dora's going to freak out. You don't be doing that. Don't be saying that. No, I'm just kidding, Dora. No, no, the the thing. But just the general community. Well, just the general community, Mm -hmm. right? And so, and I think, and that's great, actually. I really do like that people, you know, I mean, my Facebook page is like 90% people that have probably added me from the show right now which is yeah. cool i think um that you know that's kind of the cool thing about podcasts that listeners and you know fans or whatever can get that kind of level of access if they if they want it i guess or if you want it to like you have control over that to some extent yeah. but you know i mean like i could deny people that add me on facebook um and I've, i have started doing that if you add me on facebook and your uh profile picture is like a dolphin with a third eye and a rainbow triangle behind it i did i do not accept you as a friend anymore Dude, how do you think um, I met my husband? I know this Paul. Paul Come is on. really a dolphin, you know. <laughs> um, so well, he wasn't. He wasn't, you know, in the last life, but not this time around. So oh, okay, I get it. Okay. I understand. Yeah. Well, so the the thing that really has kind of made it seem so much more overwhelming for me is that the the way that it disseminates and the way that the information mm. spreads. So it's not so much that people. 
it's not so much that people believe this stuff necessarily any more than they used to. It's that bad information is a, is a lot easier to spread out there. And so yes. I think I think that maybe yeah. what the problem is, is that the the maybe our definitions of what a conspiracy theory is are wrong. Like, I, I don't think that there are more people like just because Alex Jones is saying that fluoride is is going to you know turn you impotent and, you know, make you grow. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like whatever, Turn right? Fox gay. Ser- yes. Well, seriously, right? Like the the idea yeah. that, like, just because Alex Jones is saying that stuff to me, obviously the more hard edge stuff is going to be harder for people to swallow. Mm-hmm. But the idea that Alex Jones can say that, you know, uh, FEMA FEMA camps are coming, and then that can make its way to your local news channel, right? Or that, you know, Alex Jones can say that. Uh, yeah, you know, whatever, it's like erosion. It's yeah, exactly. Erosion. And so of, it's, of it's, these things. Yeah. and so it's like, obviously that harder conspiracy theory is not true. And most reasonable people will be able to say that's not true. It's that some of the conspiracy theories are being cloaked and kind of, you know, they're coming from Alex Jones and Paul Joseph Watson and Roger Stone and Jerome Corsi and whoever, mm-hmm. right. They're coming mm-hmm. from these conspiracy theorists and then they're still making their way to the public. And that's true on both sides too. Like I have definitely noticed an uptick in kind of, you know, uh, more liberal oriented, let's say uh, conspiracy theories and misinformation and stuff. I mean, you know, we had, um, Mm -hmm. we had this year, a lot of stuff come out about say, you know, GMOs being still, still being deadly and dangerous and whatever. Right. Or the Mm -hmm. idea that, uh, you know, frankly, I mean, I, I almost think that the non-vaccinating of children is almost more of a more of a left-leaning conspiracy than a right-wing one. You I know, agree. and uh, you know, like we've seen that mm-hmm. blossom into you know rich mm-hmm. suburbs of cities like Chicago or you know Houston or whatever are having yeah. measles outbreaks. Like yeah. it's it's crazy. Yeah. So affluence, yeah. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. the idea that these things can make their way over to you more easily. And so even if you yourself, like I think of myself as a savvy media consumer and I get tricked every single day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I think of myself as, as someone who's like, I'm looking at this stuff with a, you know, a hard lens. I am, uh, I am, you know, so jaded about advertising and whatever and all this other stuff, whatever. Uh-huh. And then I go to the store and I'm like, you know, whistling to myself the you know, the, whatever the, the Cheerios theme, or I don't even think Cheerios is in a theme song, but you know what I'm saying? Right? Like, yeah. 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 No matter how hard edged you think you are, or how uh, you're yeah. immune you're to that target stuff. Target audience. You're always the target audience. Right. And the, yeah. and the idea of me being immune to that stuff is itself something that an advertising agent somewhere was like calculated huh, for. He, yeah. he thinks he's immune to this stuff. We're going to sell him, you know, we're going to sell him Jinko jeans. Right. And, and, and black eyeliner. So it's, it is a rough, it is Wait, a rough thing for me. So are Jinko jeans, a real thing. They were. Oh, I don't know. I've never heard of those. J and C O jeans. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Oh, 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 maybe not. Do you remember in like, do you remember in like the early 2000s? Yeah. Kids, teenagers and whatever would wear big black jeans with like the giant, like the hugely flared bottom. Well, the whole jean mark, the whole denim market took a huge, like went, went into a different stratosphere. Like all of a sudden that's when you started to pay for like, you started to pay $300, $400 for a pair of jeans. And that was warrant like. That was what the market bared at that point. That was like the denim bubble. Right. That all this sort of, yeah, we could do a whole show on that. That's fascinating, actually. Um, not there's that a listener, wearing a, that and black a, eyeliner isn't. 
There's a there's a listener somewhere being like, please no denim episodes. Please no um, denim. No, no, we need that. We need that listener too. They can, uh, yeah. No denim. There'll episodes, be something in it for them. No, um, <laughs> oh, that would be so good. No, that that's again, that's another bubble. That's a whole other bubble. That is um, a whole other bubble. No, you're right. I think that you are as susceptible as anybody else. But like, so I. Uh, so one of the things that we did want to that we didn't get a chance to do because it's not up is we wanted to read some of the criticisms that we received um, for this podcast from uh, one of the channels that we're on. Uh, what's it called? Conflict. Conflict Are Radio Official. Conflict yeah. Radio? Yes. Yeah. Which I. So we were on we were on their YouTube channel for a while and then it like got taken down. And so we're trying to we're trying to consider if we if we should do if we should make our YouTube channel more mm-hmm. like full of stuff. Like if you think listener, if you're listening to this and you think, oh, I would love YouTube content from the Mad Scientist podcast. Let us know. Like I, I put a couple of videos up there mm-hmm. earlier in like mm-hmm. the year and I keep meaning to like reset up all my video stuff because we have it in our new apartment. I just haven't set it up. Um, but if you'd like more video content and things, and like even if you just like the episodes and on Katie YouTube, is like shut the front door. You need to go grocery shopping before you do any video content. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, I need, to, I need to make glue. No. I need to make, uh, I need to make slime again. Anyways. <laughs> but th- some of the content on there or some of the criticism on there was I, so I, for the longest time, I didn't even know we were up there. Like I had no idea that w- there was an episode like a while back now that we did read some of our, we did read some of our, um, some of our, our not so, our not so loving feedback, which to me, I don't know. So and this gets into sort of like criticism and the nature of criticism and you know, when you when you listen to like, again, like when you come into these conflicts and people are telling you something that's different from what you commonly believe or even unsolicited like Facebook or Twitter, they're telling you, some, you something that they don't necessarily like about you, mm-hmm. you know, and sort of the, the tone and tenor that that takes. I mean, I don't know. It, it's funny because like ever since we started thinking about like doing this episode, I... I've just been thinking about sort of the nature of criticism in general and how I, my relationship with criticism has changed over the years. And it's been sort of interesting because I think the stuff that was up on conflict radio, I thought was really funny. Like I loved it. I thought it was great. It was like, Oh, it's hilarious to me. It was not, I didn't read that and, and, and feel even like, Oh, you know, or, Oh, this is terrible. And I'm a bad person. Um, but at the same time, I also realized, you know, if you get enough of that, you probably would, you probably would, it would take you to pause to think about in some ways. I mean, I, I'm trying to remember what the main, the main was, was that we swore a lot or that I swore a lot. Yeah. People think you're like this swashbuckling sailor coming on here and dirtying the place up with your filthy language, Marie. (laughs) Which is hysterical because here's so, but then, you know, because so you could take this criticism, right? And you can take this criticism and there's like a few different ways to parse it out. You can say in an objective sense, if you swear less, you will probably be safer to listen to for a wider viewing audience, right? It's just your ratings. It's like we will, I'll be able to play you in the car when I am taking my kids somewhere or I, you know, I don't swear and I don't like hearing swearing, right? So there's all this sort of context to that, which is, to me, relatively reasonable. Like, if you know, that to me makes sense. Then there's the whole sort of sexist argument, which is, you know, Chris swears just as much as I do, if not more. Yeah. And nobody's talking about how much he's swearing. They're talking about how much I'm swearing. Oh, yeah. So I kind of think to myself, they don't like it when the lady swears, which is, again, just something that's not... You know, it's a biased argument to begin with. And then, you know, I and then it causes in the question, well, like, well, maybe I am swearing too much. But then, uh, you know, and then I just swear some more. So I thought that that was like I started to kind of trip out and think about all the different sort of all the different criticisms that we received. And like, what is what is a factual criticism versus ineffectual and how I've and again, like my relationship to it. And I was just kind of giggling at the end of it. And then I just had some some wine. So I'm all good. Well, it's also it's also it's also definitely made me kind of, you know, view, mm-hmm. I think, the way that I critique things differently. Like what kind of what you're saying mm-hmm. in the way mm-hmm. that 
there are times where I will write like the, the amount of times that I am on my phone at like midnight because I just read something insane on a Facebook page and I'm like, I'm go- I got such a witty response to this and then I'll write it out halfway through and I'll be like, they're not going to read this. And even if they did, they would just be like, LOL, try hard or something. You know what I mean? Like something stupid in a name like that. Yeah. It's like sh- it's shouting into the void, right? Like there's no point in doing it. And so it just becomes it's it's clearly unnecessary. So it's kind of made me try to be more careful about when I provide my voice, I guess. But it also it also though brings up for me questions about like to tie all this stuff together, right? Mm-hmm. Is the nature and uh, the nature and our relation to say censorship, right? Well, mm-hmm. so for example, I don't think that it is a good thing that Alex Jones has a has a radio show, right? Like, I, I don't think it's a good thing for the world that okay. Alex Jones has a, has a radio show. Yes. I don't think I don't think it's a good thing that channels like, you know, uh, CNN and MSNBC and Fox are on 24 hours a day providing nothing. Like no context at all, ultimately, right? There mm-hmm. are some, there are like some good segments on each of those channels, let's say, mm-hmm. that I'm sure if you conglomerated them into one mega news station would be a fine, like, you know, three hour block of news at night for those that are interested. But ultimately, mm-hmm. I don't need us to go to Jim Acosta every time the president might leave his office or the White House because he's going on a trip next week and we want to see, you know, if he's when he walks out of the door, is he kicking at rocks or whatever? Because he's upset about the Russia investigation, right? Like I, that to me is not it's not good. It's like oversaturation of information. And so. Yeah, it, yeah. It, the it, 24 it, hour news cycle. Right. Started, but yeah. but but even more simply. Right. Forget like the the, the psychology of like 24 hour mm-hmm. news and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like Alex Jones, I think, is a simple case. Alex Jones, should Alex Jones be allowed to have a channel or a, 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 a thing where he is knowingly providing false information, right? Like, and I don't think there's any question anymore that Alex Jones is doing it knowingly because in his own court documents, in his defense, in his mm-hmm. divorce with his wife, he makes the claim, I am just an actor. Like, I don't believe any of this stuff. I am an actor. I am doing this as a promotion to sell pills, mm-hmm. right? To sell supplements to idiots. Right. Right. So do I think that he has, uh, well, I don't know. It, it, I think it comes down to intent. Like you were saying, I think if the person, if the person's intent is that they honestly do believe that, even if I don't agree with it. And even though, um, I personally think it's harmful. Um, I still think that they have, if someone is willing to put them on the air, I do not believe that they should be censored. Well, forget, forget personally believe that it's harmful. What if we know it's harmful, right? Like what, like what about like, like what if we know it's actually harmful? What about, you know, what if, Mm -hmm. where, where do we draw the line between, you know, if Alex Jones is selling a supplement that is actively hurting people, right? Like it it, it has something in it, right? It has some poison in that he didn't, he doesn't know about because he doesn't know anything. Right. These taint wipes. Well, whatever. Right. Well, yeah. Whatever they are. Right. Taint wipes. Yes. Um, you know, like yeah. I think in that case, a lot of people would say, well, he shouldn't be allowed to advertise that on a show anymore and he would be fined. Right. Or something yeah. would happen to him. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What FCC. if. FCC. So then. He even had an FCC anymore. Right. Yeah. So well, what if. What if though. Uh, what if though what he's doing is giving. He's poisoning public discourse. What if what he's doing is providing in, misinformation to the public. So that they, you know, at what point do we admit that propaganda doesn't just have to come from the government? Propaganda can come from corporations. Propaganda can come from think tanks, from super PACs, from right. Like at what point do we, um, at what point do we admit that there are people, there's a difference between a, a kind of real ground level, individual person making their claims and trying mm-hmm. to get support for something versus mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a giant group pulling strings from the shadows mm-hmm. to make things work the way they want. 
Like, I, I don't think that there's, I don't think we've, we aren't ready for that discussion. I don't think in this country because we've never had it so that, it, you know, the masses were so easily manipulated. Like, but then if, you if, have to ask who gets to make those decisions. Who gets to say that this is manipulative versus not? Well, exactly. But so for right. so for example, right? Like like if we if we wanted to, right? Mm -hmm. We could make up a story and mm -hmm. put it on any of these Facebook UFO groups, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I guarantee it would make the rounds. And it would be and, and you know, in a, in a month, we would have staunch defenders arguing our case, even if we came out and said it was all fake. It was all fabricated. Mm -hmm. hap it happens all the time in the UFO community. Right. Mm -hmm. What if we were not good people and decided we would use that for our own monetary advantage? Right. What if we can't like at what point? Wait, or, is this or, an option? No. Is this, is this is this better than Blue Apron money? Is what guess, I'm at, is my next question. I'm sorry, I am going to ask that. I guess what I'm wondering is, <laughs> at what point do we? At what, what point is I, it propaganda and is it reprehensible versus well, what, not? What scale? No, I guess like what scale is something considered a con, or like literally like at what yeah. scale is something considered fraud? with the purposes of defrauding the public or causing them to do something that's against their interest versus say just advertising. Like the uh, difference between advertising and fraud is, <laughs> is a small thin, difference. Thin, without thin. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think that that's a very, so first of all, I get what you're saying, but I think it's a very uh, dangerous and difficult argument because any stance could be viewed as like, if I had a very liberal stance, um, about, about anything in politics that could be taken as, as propaganda, right? I mean, any stance, I mean, it really depends on who is the person or the organization or whatever, who is going to make that distinction. Um, and I don't think, I think that that's why you can't make that distinction in some ways, because it really depends on how much power that person or that group has to be able to censor someone else. Because I agree with you. It, it, the idea of like, you should not be able to say something that is poisonous to public discourse or if it is harmful to, if it is harmful to a democracy or if it is, that is meant to undermine the fabric of which we all exist together in relatively peacefully. But who gets to say what that is and who crosses that line yeah. creates a huge gray area. Cause it's like, I can save it. That's what the white house is arguing about the press. Right? Oh, I, and, I, absolutely. No, you know, I, and that's like, yeah. I think that that's, that's, that's the problem that is, that's a problem. Like, and even like, I try and just not, I try and simplify it down to almost like a more personal level and like, criticism at work, right? So I don't, and I don't mean to placate anybody, but it's like, you know, if you're going in and you, you're having your review or you're having, you're getting quote unquote feedback or criticism about like, well, you should be doing this or you shouldn't be doing that. I mean, again, like you're going to react to it a certain way, predisposed on who you are and how you've been, you know, what your upbringing is, what your cultural background is, all this other stuff, right? You bring a lot to criticism. And when you put criticism out in the world, you're putting out all that stuff as well. So I think it's, it's to me, it's like the idea of critiquing and the idea of, of, of uh, the idea of criticism is, is largely about what is the intent of the person giving you or you giving it to someone else. Cause clearly if you have the intent, like I want this person to do better or I am concerned about this person versus I'm going to be an S head, right? There's two different things. You could be saying the exact same thing and the weight and the, um, the validity of it comes from what your intent is. Yeah. I, so Another a, I'm again just I'm totally personal. No, no, no. I, I, I no, I hear what you're saying. I mean another another And it's way, not because I just had a crappy review at work or something. Because <laughs> that's not the case. <laughs> the, the thing 
Another wrench, though, to throw in all this, I think, is mm, the idea yes. of, say, Facebook or oh, well, these Jesus, other yeah. places where, like, I think that I think the distinctions we're talking about were a lot easier to, to were a lot easier to talk about in the abstract 10 mm-hmm. years ago, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. when there wasn't a company already actively making the decision for us of what is censorship and what is propaganda and what isn't. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think, Mm -hmm. I think Facebook is already making those decisions for us. And so, you know, I mean, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, like Instagram, not so much, right? Instagram is where I get all my uh, baby piglet pictures. (gasps) But, um, but hashtag piglets of Instagram. Um, It's really good. It's super good. That's, that's, that's what I go to. Instagram is what I go to when the other social medias are making me too sad or upset. But the, like, imagine, so, imagine if we were to, and we've actually, we've been approached by companies like this, like, we've been approached by shady marketing companies that operate, like, you know, user farms in India, where, mm-hmm. you know, some mm-hmm. guy sends you an email and is like, hey, you know, or, or a message on LinkedIn, even, or Facebook, or whatever, mm-hmm. and is like, hey, you know, I got your contact info through the RSS feed, um, we sell a service where we can get you in the iTunes top 100 for like a month if you pay us. And the way we do it is we have, you know, a thousand workers in this building in, in, you know, somewhere, whatever, where, right. where, you know, where they're where paying they're them. Make those calls. Yeah. They're going right. to bump it up. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, we're, we're mm-hmm. a click form, right? We'll just click on your link. You know, we'll have a thousand people clicking on your link 10,000 times a day. Uh, for a month and it's going to get your numbers up and it's going to look great. Right. Or even, or even say, you know, today Twitter did a purge of followers uh, for mm-hmm. bot accounts. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, you know, um, we, we didn't lose, like, I think we lost maybe like 20 or something, but the fact that we had 20 bot accounts, like that's crazy. You know what I mean? That's pretty impressive. How, that like, we are worthy of 20 bots. How, how did that even happen? Like who is paying the bi- These are bots. Someone's bots are badly managed. Uh, <laughs> They're all like, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be under undermining the democracy. Why am I, why am I on this page with this scientist? <laughs> um, the woman who swears. <laughs> the woman who calls people s-heads. And the potty mouth woman who's that is not. Why am I? I am supposed to be hacking and talking WikiLeak. Well, well, honestly though, I think that I think that kind of Facebook's already making those decisions for us, and so like that that if mm-hmm. I had my druthers, that Pleiadians Facebook page would be shut down. Like it'd be gone because I think it's I think it's actually doing damage to people's mental health. Like I think it's a I think it's a place for, you know, 15 guys who all think they're Jesus to hang out and try to figure out, you know, like there's that there's that famous uh it's like a famous uh kind of, you know, story whatever around psychology where this guy decided there's a treatment for people who thought that they were, you know, he, they were delusional. Mm-hmm. And so they they all thought they were Jesus and so for, you know, he got a group of them together and the you know in the hopes that them seeing another person who thought they were Jesus would snap them out of it would snap them out of it and all it did all it did the delusion exactly all it did mm-hmm. was make them certain that the other three weren't Jesus you mm-hmm. know what i mean it's the same mm-hmm. thing i think with this kind of stuff where mm-hmm. it's it's not actually going to work for us and so i think as as our understanding of say like human psychology and human behavior in groups and online and whatever, the way that we access and take in information as those get more sophisticated companies like Facebook are going to be using it in ways that I don't think we are prepared for. Even if Facebook might not have in mind, you know, to become this like evil corporation or whatever, like well, they're already evil. Let's but, not, let's no, not, but you, you know, words. What, they're already pretty bad. You know what I'm saying though, right? Yeah. That, that, at what point does it become, I mean, you know, for lack of a better yeah. term, like actual mind control, right? Like at what point does it become yeah. an assault on your consciousness versus say simply advertising? Well, I mean, but again, that then 
then the question falls back on how do you define Facebook, right? Which is something that's going on in public discourse right now. Is it a media empire and they have a responsibility on what their content is versus they are a technology platform that puts out everything, right? So they get to choose one or they get to choose the other. But as of to date, they've sort of been able to live in this weird interim. Right. And so I think that that's a big thing. It's like we don't know what to make of Twitter. We don't know what to make of of Facebook. To your point, that hasn't that hasn't been something that we've had to contend with before. But now I think I don't want to say regulation, but I do think that they have a responsibility. We have seen what what can happen and what is possible and what they are and what Facebook is willing to do. I personally think they should be regulated. I don't necessarily think that they should be making a decision to shut something down on their site, but that decision should be coming from a law. It should well, be coming from from the people that's that you know, but is again because if you look at what Facebook has done, not so much here, but like Arab Spring and the outcome of that, where it was this 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 thing that was good and just got really not really messed up. That's messed up. So it's it's even across international borders. Yeah, I think I think that it's become kind of a or I think the best analogy I've, I've seen for it uh, out there is Facebook is like, you know, you build a you build a bridge right mm-hmm. over some canyon or something. And so Facebook has tried to be like, we just built the bridge. Mm-hmm. We're not responsible for the drivers. We're not responsible. You know, we're responsible. Like if the bridge collapses, obviously we're responsible, mm-hmm. but we're not responsible for like making the bridge safe for people to drive on in two different ways. And, you know, yeah. like that's, a, you know, whatever we made a platform. You can, people you can will, walk. You can right. ride unicycles. You exactly. Can ride horse. Exactly. People will use it. People will use it the way that we, the way that they want to. Yeah. Our whole thing is creativity. But right. then when someone like, you know, the guy on the scooter gets run over by a, a semi, you know, by a tank. Uh, right, whatever. Like right. Mm-hmm. it suddenly it becomes like, well, why didn't you design this bridge better with safeguards? Mm-hmm. Or why weren't there signs up on the bridge that said, you know, no tanks, no no scooters, right? right? Tanks only during this time. Exactly. Right. Like why weren't there regulations in place? And so I'm with you that like it's gonna it's not gonna ultimately be up to Facebook, but right now we're kind of letting Facebook make those decisions on its own. And that's that to me is like, I think that's probably the most depressing thing. And so it's kind of like, you know, I mean, I wish Mm -hmm. I wish I could get off Facebook completely. Mm -hmm. But I also but I also like (laughs) I love fighting with dolphin people. Oh, I love it so much. All right, Marie, that's it for this week's episode of the Mad Scientist podcast. I'm your host, Chris Cogswell with my co-host, Marie Mayhew. Don't hate us, dolphin people. Don't hate us, dolphin people. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Anyways. Hey, I'm glad this clip show worked out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the clip show. Clip show. Um, we, 2018. We, we will be back in one week with an episode on Bob Lazar and Element 115. Speaking about getting into brawls. I know, seriously. Uh, this episode and all uh, related content is copyright the Mad Scientist podcast. Yeah, MNFers. Yeah. So don't even think about it. <laughs> Muffin Fredericks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you again, dear listeners, for listening to the Mad Scientist podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell, joined by my co-host, Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show, please send us an email at themadscientistpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at Mad Scientist Pod or at Team Giant Squid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook, on Instagram, and all over the internet as the Mad Scientist Podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head, so it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further, to make it better, and just to spend more time making it. Because we love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen. Our web design is done by Desdemona Howard. And our sound design is done by Jake Cardinal. Thanks again for listening. (laughs) Thank you. This has been a damn it chippy production. 
Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.